Hey, Adam Smolcom here, lead pastor of Vive Church. Welcome to our podcast. I pray that God will speak to you through the message today and that a greater level of faith would be unlocked in your life. God bless. Did you come for the Word of God today? Well, I'm excited because first, let me say happy May. It's the first of May. Being May, we thought we'd be real tricky and we'd start a series called Yes, No, Maybe. Can we... Can we put that up? Yes, no, maybe. We, we're going to start this series today and to set the tone, I want to I go to the book of James. Can we do that together? Just while you stay standing, maybe we could go to James chapter 1. It's a New Testament book. And let's go to verse 2. It says, Dear brothers and sisters, when troubles of any kind come your way, Consider it an opportunity for great joy. I must warn you, I'm happy today. I'm gonna let you know right from the beginning, I'm happy and I'm aligning my spirit with the Word of God because James wants you to know, just consider it joy. No matter if troubles or trials come your way, it's an opportunity for great joy. Verse three, for you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance actually has a chance to grow. Doesn't have a chance without some opposition, but when, when the opposition, oh, this is good news. Start looking at opposition as a chance. Now you now you got a chance. Now there is a possibility for something to grow in your life. And James has a way of switching the lens and the filter. It says verse four, so let it grow. For when your endurance is fully developed, you'll be perfect and complete, needing nothing. If you need wisdom, ask our generous God and He'll give it to you. He will not rebuke you for asking, but when you ask Him, be sure that your faith is in God alone. Do not waver. For a person with divided loyalty is as unsettled as a wave of the sea that is blown and tossed by the wind. Such people should expect, uh, not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Their loyalty is divided between God and the world and they are unstable in everything they do. As I mentioned, we've got a brand new series. Yes, no, maybe. A series we're gonna focus on overcoming indecision. So I wanted to start our first instalment and I did promise I'd help the single folk on our first week. I, I did promise that. And I'm gonna start with a sermon I'm calling Till Death Do Us Part. Till Death Do Us Part. You ready? Yes. You happy? Yes. Why don't you make someone happy around you? Hug five people before you take your seat. Infuse them with happiness. Come on, make it contagious. Don't just give them a gentle high five. Embrace them like a brother or a sister in the Lord Jesus Christ. Come on, Oakland. Come on, Honolulu, let's, uh, let's, let's be the church, amen. Till death do us part, yes, no, maybe, 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 maybe. We, we have to, uh, I have to let you know that in our household, we've been making some pretty big decisions lately. My, my daughter, Dia, shout out to Dia. Dia's graduating, graduating in three weeks, by the way, three weeks left and uh, shout out to all the parents with students graduating high school and we've been making some big decisions because she's graduating which means we've been deciding on colleges got college decisions deciding and and I got to be honest with you being a new american this is still foreign territory for me because america's weird like that like where i come from you don't you don't shop for colleges you don't have 
these decisions to make. You're not deciding a college based on all these factors, tuition, cost, location, pedigree, like, like all these decisions. In my hometown, you, like my country, you just go to the college in your city, that's it. It's like, that's where we live. That's, that's the college. You don't decide between here, there. I don't understand this like freedom right, this, this idea of leaving home because I'm an adult all of a sudden. No, you're not. You're 18 years old. You're a child. You need me. You need me. But I love that I've got a decisive daughter because we literally had no, no like issues, literally. she Because she had friends who were like applying for 13 different colleges, writing all these applications. My daughter's like, Let's, why waste the time? One college, one application, one acceptance. That's it. I love that. I love decisiveness. However, in the midst of the college decision, these big decisions in life, we've got even bigger decisions which is a prom dress. Like for real. Like you think which college is difficult. You haven't entered the world of prom dress shopping. And gentlemen, I must let you know, you know nothing about this world, but all the ladies know exactly how big of a decision that is. I was ignorant to this. Coming into our first ever prom experience in the United States of America, I'm particularly excited. I didn't know what it was like. I was expecting High School Musical or something like that. And... And so I said, can I come prom dress shopping? I went, I went. I, firstly, I did not know that there are whole, whole stores dedicated to prom dresses, that's it. No other kind of dress, no matter what, other, it's just literally prom dress store. I mean, they have cornered a market and they charge whatever they want. <laughs> Stupid. Here I am, I went in with a budget. I went in with a generous budget too, by the way. I literally like, hey, I'm getting ball out, girl. Here's a budget. My budget didn't even meet rack number one. I'm in trouble. Like, I literally went in there and it was an amazing experience, to be honest with you. I was just, I thought it was hilarious because I go in there, we enter into this store and, and there's like moms with, no other men, just, just me, and moms, me and moms. And, and they've got piles of dresses because their daughter's gone through 34 dresses and they still don't know which one. We made some enemies in there, by the way. Because, not because we got into a fight, but literally my daughter went to one rack, picked two dresses, tried one on, said, this is the one, put the other one back. We bought it, walked out of the store and I could just see the, the fury in the, in the eyes of the other mums. Like, that's unfair, that's not right. Thank you for being decisive, dear. Uh, uh, thank you, thank you. I love being decisive. I love it. In fact, if you could learn how to be decisive, your life is going to go faster. You're going to enjoy it. You're going to be in the slipstream. You're going to find yourself not, not, not wasting time, wondering in, in regret. There is power to being decisive. But through the process, as I was watching some of these moms, it made me wonder some things like, like what's, a, what's a more difficult decision? Because if they haven't that much decision over a prom dress, have they yet decided what college to go to? Like, like what's, a, what's a more difficult decision, the, the smallest seeming more urgent decision or the bigger but maybe long-term decision? Like I have to think about it in the, in, in the concept of marriage where, where there's a point where you have to make a decision till death do us part. It's a forever decision. But even in my own practice of that, when I proposed, I found that a much easier decision than the one, will you go on a date with me? Like the decision to get married in my world is a bigger decision that lasts a lot longer than the, 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 the initial decision is just we go on a date. But that held so much 
attention. And truthfully, it's important to know that even the small decisions in your life can have a, a big bearing on your direction. In fact, truth be told, we as adults on average make 35,000 decisions every day. <gasps> 35,000. Not evenly weighted, of course. Like some are insignificant decisions. Some are, you know, many decisions. Like decisions what stock to invest in today uh, can sometimes be easier than what outfit to wear. <laughs> Especially on Sunday. I don't know how long you deliberated over that decision. No, I'm not wearing that. Not wearing like a prom dress shopping just to go to church. But, 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 and this is, in fact, I was told that this is the very reason that a lot of CEOs like Mark Zuckerberg just wear one outfit every day because it's one less decision in their world of decisions to make. I thought that was fantastic when I first heard it, heard it and until I realised, hang on, is it easier to make a decision for today on what I'm going to wear or what I'm going to wear forever? Like that, that's, my, that's where my mind goes. Like that's hard. I'm going to wear this forever? No variation? Yo. But the truth is, decisions direct. Decisions affect. And truth be told, I don't know if you know this, but believers are most at risk of being the most indecisive people on the planet. Because unbelievers just make decisions based on what they want, how they're feeling. Unbelievers, I just feel like doing this, I'm going to do it. No regret, no regards. But believers, we have to consider God's will. There's an added difficulty to the decisions that we have to make is what I'm deciding in line with God's will. And I want to help you today, I do. I really want to help us over this series to make sure that we can consider and navigate every decision in line with God's will. I know it's going to be helpful. And I love it because ultimately, that's a big question. How do I make decisions in line with God's will? Is it a yes? Is it a no? Or do I find myself in the middle with with a maybe, like a maybe. Well, well James helps us, in fact. He, he suggests wisdom is what we, we need. And, and as a coach, if you're looking for a, a decision coach on becoming decisive as believers, I would definitely nominate James as a, a, as a Bible character, as a New Testament personality. James is a, certainly a qualified uh, coach or candidate because what what you need to understand about James is that wherever you find James when locating him in Scripture or in the biblical narrative, depending on where you situate him, you're going to find a very different person. Same guy, but a different person. For instance, in case you weren't aware, James was the half-brother of Jesus born to both Mary and Joseph. All right, so he's the half-brother of, of Jesus. And at the time of writing this passage, what we have is James the Apostle. James, who's leading the church in Jerusalem, an apostle, a wise man of God. However, there's other parts in Scripture. If you were to go all the way back to when Jesus was ministering, you're going to find a very different James. What you're going to find is a skeptical brother. Check it out. It says this in John. In fact, John chapter 7, verse 1, it says, Jesus travelled around Galilee. He wanted to stay out of Judea where the Jewish leaders were plotting his death. But soon it was time for the Jewish festival of shelters. And Jesus' brother said to him, leave here and go to Judea where your followers can see your miracles. Check this out. You can't become famous if you hide like this. If you can do such wonderful things, show yourself to the world. For even his brothers didn't believe in him. Like here they are, like this is just Jesus. <laughs> it's just Jesus. Now, 
something impressive. And Jesus replied, now is not the right time for me to go, but you, you can go anytime. (laughs) I love that. In other words, you ain't even important in this whole equation. So just go. It's like brother. I'm fascinated by this. Here we have James along with the other half-brothers of Jesus in complete disbelief. Even when they saw the miracles of Jesus, they didn't believe. They weren't impressed. Like, it is so hard to impress family. How many people agree? How many people know what I'm talking about? Be real with me. Come on, I'm happy. You can't even make me bad today. Even by your lack of interaction, I'm still going to be happy. So you go ahead and just interact. I don't know if you got one of those families. You know, it's like you can do something super impressive. Like you could be killing it in your career and you do like a little, maybe it's a family dinner and you just casually, humbly just share something awesome that happened. And they're like, oh, that's good, dear. But did you hear about John? You're like, no, what happened to John? Oh, he got his driver's license finally. Like, it's so hard to impress family. Here we've got Jesus. Jesus, like he's raising people from the dead. And back in that moment, James is like, oh yeah, but I got a return on my tax. You should, you should see that. Like, like, it would be so difficult. Here we've got the disciples, not even the disciples. He's not even one of the disciples. He's just a skeptical brother. But if we were to fast forward to now where we've got James writing, this is post-resurrection crucifixion. This is, this is something happened and shifted so dynamically in James's life where he wasn't just an indecisive questioning brother to now he was fully convicted, fully determined, so much so that he's writing this from Jerusalem to all the believers that left Jerusalem because the persecution was so heavy they're all like we out but he's like no I'm staying I'm staying like he's not like cool I I know that there's threat of death I know the Romans are killing Christians but guess where I'm gonna be I'm gonna be here I'm standing for Christ I'm so decided in my spirit that he is the one that he claims to be how do we go from a skeptical brother to a decisive apostle and you can hear it in the tone in the way that he writes like the way that he writes he writes with so much conviction like, like his, James, the way you'll find the tone throughout his letter, he ain't, he ain't playing, he ain't mucking around. He was indecisive. He wasted too much time in indecision. Now he's making up for lost time. So even when it comes to the concept of faith, he's like, faith is good, but show me your works. Like, what good is your faith without some action to it? I need, I need some hot action on this faith. I want to see it put to work. I want to see some outcome. I don't want your rhetoric. I don't want your faith talk. I want your faith walk. This was James. Even when it comes to language, James is direct. He pulls you up on your language straight away. He acknowledges that the tongue, you'll see this in his, in his, in his uh, letter, he acknowledges that the tongue is untamable, that the tongue is like a wild animal that cannot be tamed. So he's like, but, but, but you can still be accountable for your language because the tongue just simply speaks what's in the heart. So fix the heart. He's like, put the swear jar away. Stop trying to curb your language. Fix your heart and your mouth will speak what your heart has in it. James has got good insight. James breaks things down. James makes it direct. James wants to help believers because he needed help himself. And likewise, when it comes to doing the will of God, that's what James was interested in, not just knowing, but doing the will of God. He's just as direct. And I have, to, I have to think that the reason most of the time we as believers have a difficult time understanding God's will for our life is because we view God's will as this uh, destination 
that we need to get to. Like, like a place in life, a, a, a destination that somehow we have to decipher and discover and hopefully end up at. Which is actually something James addresses here. Firstly, what we find from his own experience, he confronts the dangers of having a divided loyalty. Can I show you this? Verse 5, it says, if, if you need wisdom, I love this, ask our generous God and He'll give it to you. He will not rebuke you for asking. This is so cool. This is so cool. Like, because like, I know you and I, and I know what you're probably thinking is like, oh, a little bit guilty. I asked God for wisdom yesterday. <laughs> Gotta leave it a week, you know. <laughs> Don't be too demanding. Like, like in your relationship, forget that with God. He loves demanding. He, he, he loves it. He's like, oh, you asked for wisdom this morning? Ask again tonight. I'm here. Like, like literally what James is making sure, you know, get this right in your head. God is not an angry God. Like, oh, okay, you asked me for more wisdom and you haven't done the old one. I'm not answering you. No, no, God's not like that. He's not a bitter bride. He's literally saying, hey, I want to make sure that you come to me because I got the wisdom you need. So keep coming, keep coming. James is just correcting our thinking. He's like, if you need wisdom, ask God. He's generous. He's got ample wisdom. His ways are higher than your ways. He knows what to do. And check it out, he says, but, and he will not rebuke you for asking. He ain't even mad about it. Verse six, but when you ask him, be sure, here's, here's, here's a key, uh, be sure that your faith is in God alone. Ooh, hey, hey. Do not waver. For a person with divided loyalty is as unsettled as the wave of the sea that is blown and tossed by the wind. Such people should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Their loyalty is divided between God and the world and they are unstable in everything they do. This is, this is some insight here. There's something for us in this. First, he's like, hey, go to God. God's got wisdom for you. But just make sure if you want what God's got, you're not looking for what everyone else has got. See, according to James, divided loyalty will produce doubt in your decisions. Instead, James is like, have faith in God alone. Understanding fully that doubts derived from additional or conflicting influences will always cause you to either make a, a desperate decision or, or produce indecisiveness in your life. Like when, when, you, when you've got conflicting Conversation meaning I went to God and I prayed and I had a peace about it, but then, but then I actually decided I'm going to ask somebody else as well, and now I'm now I'm I'm, I'm conflicted. Then I either become indecisive and stalled and hesitant, or I make a desperate decision. Desperate decisions aren't great, by the way. I'm going to let you know. You know, you know the desperate decision that you regret. This is where shame enters into your life. This is where regret enters into your life. This is where you make a decision in the moment aside from what God had for your life. And the enemy loves that because he exploits that to produce shame, guilt, and corner you in, into a place in life just because of indecision. Divided loyalty. Can expect nothing from, from God. In fact, I don't know if you know any indecisive people. But I do want to help the single folk. I do want to help the single folk. I made a promise I would help single people in this series. Why not from the start? Do we have any single people here? Any, any single people? One person. <laughs> Thank you. 
Single people, be proud about it. Make a decision right now. I'm single and I'm deciding. All the single people are in Oakland, apparently. Come on, for sure. Well, let me help the single people because in fact, even when it comes to indecision, it's different by gender. The reason men are indecisive is different from the reason women are indecisive. You didn't know that? That's why you're still single. That's, that's why. Why is that shocking? I'm here to help. I'm here to help. Especially when it comes to dating and marriage. Like the reason, okay, you got to understand this. The primary focus of a girl when they're finding the guy is, is, is you got a list of stuff. Right? Like, like the, the primary thing for a girl is they don't want to, they, they want to marry the right guy. Like every girl wants to marry the right guy. For, for guys, it's similar but different. Guys just don't want to marry the wrong girl. Let me help you. Because girls have got a long list. Long list. Long list of attributes. All the men are nodding like, yeah, I've, I know. Like, like, like list of, of like, is he kind? Is he caring? Has he got good character? Has his bank balance? Is he tired? Like you've got all these like lists that you're putting the filter, the guy through. Guys aren't that complicated. When I have lists, he already thinks you're cute. The delay is just to make sure you're not crazy. That's it. That takes time. That takes a minute. We already like the look of you, but looks can deceive. <laughs> and I have to walk a few seasons to make sure crazy doesn't appear. That's, that's as easy as it is for guys. Revolutionary, yeah. It's, it's, it's amazing, and, and this is this is the indecision that comes around things, especially. In some, I want to help. I want to help single people so much. I want to make sure things. This is. I want. I want to touch some sacred cows because I honestly. I honestly. Sometimes you got too many options. Single people out here like there's no men here. There's no men in the church. There's men. This is too many. This is, the, this is my problem with online dating and apps. Now, now, please hear me correctly. If you are married and you met your partner on a dating app, praise the Lord Jesus Christ for that miracle. Like, can we just acknowledge that is a resurrection miracle? That's on that level. Feeding 5,000, found my partner on a dating app. You waded through some stuff, a quagmire of weirdness to find that goal. Like, that is like... That's, that's incredible. Well done to you. Can we just applaud all the people that somehow navigated that? But for most folk out here, it's just, it's creating too many options. Like you're swiping through people you don't even know just by the look. Just how I feel. This is why I don't like uh, going to the Cheesecake Factory. You've been to Cheesecake Factory. It's like a Bible of menu options. Too, too many decisions. Like I literally, all I wanted was a hamburger, 
I end up ordering jambalaya. I'm like, how did that happen? From a burger to jambalaya? That's like you were dating on dating app. All you need is a burger and you can't even handle the spice, but somehow you're mixed up with jambalaya. Oh, I'm here to help. I'm here to help. You're missing a great girl, guys, because you're swiping through all the potentials. Look for jambalaya. You can't handle that heat. You can't. You, you need a stable. That's what you need. You need a, you need a good hearty burger. That's what you need. American burger. Burger. I can't even say it. Burger. I don't know what I'm on. I don't know what I'm talking about. That's what you need. We're swiping around, too many options. I am so glad. One of the greatest joys of my life is that 20 years ago, dating apps didn't exist. I, I am so glad because Kira had limited options. We came from a small town. It was me or the weird guy. And all I had to do was not give a prophetic word. That's all I had to do. Just hold back the weirdness and one horse race, baby. But man, it was dangerous if we had online dating. She would have swiped right through. I'm convinced of it. Sometimes you're just setting yourself up for failure. You're flooding your world with decisions and indecisions coming in. What if you just followed God? What if you just said, God, lead me. God, lead me. God, lead me. God, lead me. Can, I really want to help the single folks so much. I want to make sure I help you because here's, here's a tip. This is because we're talking about divided loyalty. I'm back on track now. What, what, what this means in, in, the, in the world of dating and decisions is to make sure when you like somebody, go to God and girls go to Him. Don't go to your girlfriends. Because what you're gonna do with your girlfriends is you're gonna talk about the next 10 years of your life with the guy and he's gonna be married with kids before he even knows you like him. And then when you say hello and you find out he's already dating somebody, you're gonna be so distraught because you played out all these decisions and God, there's no one for me. My God. Chill. Just go to Jesus. Go to Jesus. Divided, divided loyalty. Divided loyalty. This is, this is ultimately what we need to understand. I've sat, I've sat, stood at the altar when, when officiating weddings, and the vow comes till death do us part. I've literally heard guys gulp <laughs> before saying that vow, and I'm glad. I'd rather the gulp and the consideration. This is forever. I'm in. Then the easy, oh yeah, and then change my mind. I'd rather the person go, cool, I know what this is. Because what they're considering is not, well, forever is a long time, but they're realizing that till death do us part could be a long decision or it could be a secure one that I have to walk through life with somebody. I get someone by my side in the ups, the downs, the ins, the outs. I'm in, till death do us part, I'm in. And this is the context of what decision-making is with God. It's not about a destination that we have to somehow find and see before we make a step, but to know that God's with me every single step. See, this is what James wants us to know, that you can make bold decisions because of who's with you. Because God's with you. 
That's what knowing the will of God is not the end, but every single step. Not looking for the destination, but, but, but looking for direction. This is, this is way more helpful filter to approach decision making. Not the destination, but just some direction. God, can you give me some direction? Let me help you because what you see is, is James wants you to have faith in God alone. And believe it or not, this is less about where you spend eternity and, and more trusting Him every day. This is God's plan actually to be involved in every decision. To be involved in every decision. From everything I read in the Bible, what I find is that God, God's desire is to be your guide in life. And James shows us this in another passage in chapter 4. Verse 13, he puts it this way. He says, Come now, you who say today or tomorrow we'll go into such and such a town and spend a year there and trade and make some profit. Yeah, you don't know what tomorrow will bring. What is your life? If you're a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes, instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we will live and do this or that. I, I like that. What a, what a great foregone conclusion that if the Lord wills, we will. If God's in it, I'm in it. If God's not in it, I'm not touching it. But I, but I want my decisions to be based in the will of God. This is, this is how you actually base decisions on direction rather than destination. Let me explain that because to consider God in your decisions is ultimately the purpose of the believer's life. To not grow in Christ and mature in Christ to the point where you think, I got this now. I'm good, God. Let me do it. That's not the goal of maturity. The goal of maturity is greater dependence with God with every single step. That, that because I know God and I walk with God, why would I walk without God? I'm gonna walk with God every day. Not just hit Sunday and go, cool, great, got something, I'm out. And then kind of limp back into next week, realising I miss God in the whole thing. But what if you had God in your Tuesday? And God in your Thursday? In your career, in your family, in your college? Just all these things that you're bringing God into it. So how do we bring God into it? How do we make decisions in, in, with direction? Well, you ever, you ever sat in your car and tried to turn the steering wheel while it's still? While the car's stationary? It's like there's this resistance. It's like this, just this doesn't really turn. However, with just a little bit of momentum with that vehicle, it steers like butter, especially with the power steering. You know what I mean? It's just like one-handed. That's kind of like your life. And sometimes we're wanting God to direct our steps, but we're still. Saying, God, move me. It's like such a hard thing to figure out. But if I just get a little bit of movement to my life, I find I hear the voice of God and He's directing quite easily. Like if I actually just start doing what I know to do. See, there are so many mysteries to God and He leaves a lot of mysteries for a reason that we would walk dependent on Him. That we would seek and find. That's the invitation. So there is a mystery with God that if we seek God daily, He will guide us, but He's already got a revealed will in His Word. And the revealed will are actually more of His ways. On the different ways that we can 
do what God talks us, tells us to do. He reveals the ways in which He wants us to live. He reveals the ways in which we can treat each other, the, the ways we can walk with peace, we can walk with kindness, we can, the fruits of the Spirit are the different ways in which God wants us to act as believers. And dare I say that when you know the ways of God is when you actually discover the, the, the will of God. Proverbs puts it this way. Check it out. Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5 says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge Him and He will make your path straight. Check that out. The language is important. It says, In all your ways, acknowledge Him and He will straighten your path. He will direct your life, if I can paraphrase. He will guide your life and, and help you realise the Bible places more emphasis on the, the way I'm living more than the direction I'm going. The, the concern of the Lord is more on the way you're living than where you're going. See, having God as your guide requires dialogue with the Holy Spirit. It requires a relationship. That's God's desire, by the way, is to have intimacy with you, to be in relationship with you. Yeah, He wants you to succeed in life. He wants you to fulfill your purpose, but He wants to do it in relationship. So God has designed it that we would walk with Him, that we would be guided in Him. That, in other words, He wants us to listen to His voice in what I'm doing even more than where I'm going. He's already sorted that out. When you come to Christ, you have eternity. He's already sorted out where you're going. Now he's like, let's, let's focus on what I'm doing. Am I doing it your way, God? Am I running my business your way? Am I navigating my marriage your way? Am I, am, I, am I doing it the way that you've shown me? And what you'll find on the other side of that is a confidence and a courage to make decisions and actually direct and, and really diffuse the enemy's plan to get you in indecision, making desperate decisions, dumb decisions. Can I just be that blunt, Vive Church? Uh, 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 that making dumb decisions that caught, get you caught up and get guilt and shame and a slave and a prisoner to your own dumb decisions. I was like, I want you to be decisive because I've showed you my ways. Do it this way. Work with this. Walk with the Holy Spirit. Hey, I hope you were blessed by that message. We release new content every single week here at Vive Church. And so if you don't wanna miss any of it, I would encourage you, go ahead and subscribe. Also visit our website, vivechurch.org to stay up to date with everything that's happening in the life of Vive Church. God bless you.